2: My goal is to help parents support their children in finding and reaching their own unique potential. The podcast is a place to learn about all things parenting and get your questions answered. I'm your village founder and your host, Erin Royer. Hello, everyone. So I am back. I had a very busy week in Denver last week. I will share more about that a little bit later in the episode because It really relates or some of it really relates to the topic today on emotions. But first, I'm excited to share an update about the book. The designer sent the first six chapters last week. It looks really nice. There are some minor changes to those first six chapters and she's also working on the remaining four chapters and the table of contents. So I put up the first page of each chapter including the introduction on my Instagram account at ironmom2020. If you are curious to see what those look like, how it's coming along, you can um, check it out over there. Also another quick update, and that is that I have decided to start putting up the episodes ad-free on the exclusive feed. So if you want to get these episodes ad-free, you can go to yourvillageonline.com podcast, and then click on the exclusive content button to join that. I also put up added audio content in that exclusive feed as well. Uh, It is $5 a month or it's $40 a year to join and you will start getting, starting with this episode, getting the episodes ad free if you're on the exclusive content. So let's talk about emotions. So I get a lot of questions about emotions, about big reactions to emotions, about aggression, which is a reaction, a big reaction to emotions. And I've gotten several questions lately from parents kids ages three to four all the way up through seven or eight who are wondering about how to help their child process emotions how they can help what they can do help guide their children what they can say several parents have actually emailed with concerns that their children don't seem at all interested in sharing their emotions discussing their emotions but instead they seem to shut down and avoid the topic altogether So also, as you know, if you've been listening for any amount of time, a lot of the questions revolve around helping their toddler and younger elementary age kids work on the big reactions and big uh, emotions around those bigger emotions. They want to help their children have these emotions, but in ways that are safe for them and those around them. Also, sometimes these reactions seem to go on for long periods and parents are wondering if that's too long, what's normal? which leaves parents feeling concerned about their toddler or young child's ability to process these emotions. So I'm going to talk about all these pieces. Children, just like adults, are going to run the gamut in ways that they deal with emotions and process emotions, where they handle emotions, how comfortable they are with these emotions, and working their way through them. I know, or I think, what we're all after is wanting our kids to have healthy relationship to and expression of their emotions. Now, of course, this won't look the same for everyone, just like I already touched on. So I'm gonna dig in as much as I can today to cover as much about this topic of healthy emotional skills and expression in all of its various forms. First, I'm gonna talk about emotional competence or emotional intelligence. These are basically the same things, there's a few nuances. Emotional competence is what we are working towards. It's the ability to share a spectrum of emotions at relatively moderate levels at appropriate times and in appropriate for the situation. This is a process. Emotional intelligence is also emotional competence, but it also includes working towards shortening the reaction time of emotions. And this is not just during childhood. So this is being aware, being conscious of our emotions when they come up and not reacting from an unconscious place, from a place of programming, but recognizing that emotion and working towards shortening that reaction time. So even adulthood gives us plenty of opportunities to work on this. I'm sure you all know this as parents. Our children give us plenty of opportunities, but every day-to-day interaction, we have these opportunities to recognize and work on this. Now, this is something that I am really working on right now, but before I talk about how we as adults can work on this and what's come, what we come up against and how we can work on that, I'm going to cover all the information for younger kids and then discuss how we can help our older children, tweens, teens, and ourselves as adults to continue working on this process, to continue to get better and better at this. Now, I know I've talked about all of this before, these I'm about to hit, but I want to reiterate these because they're really important points for anyone new. Also as a reminder, because with the craziness of life and especially parenthood, life as a parent, we often forget these points. So I want to cover these again. Number one, all emotions are valid. Being upset over the smallest thing is still valid, especially for our younger children, our toddlers. And I've talked about all the reasons why they do this in a lot of other podcasts and the classes on the website, like Tantrums especially. So if this is something that you um, want to revisit, I'm sure you can find a podcast episode on Tantrums or go to the website and watch the class on Tantrums at yourvillageonline.com. But this is the experience our child is having. They're having this emotion. And so our job is to create a safe space for them to have that emotion, even if it seems big to us it seems overwhelming to us so long as they're doing it in a safe way which leads to number two while all emotions are valid all reactions are not the reactions that are not acceptable are those that can be potentially harmful to another person an animal if we have pets that kind of thing or to property so if they're hitting kicking biting throwing toys all the behaviors we want to curb by giving alternatives. We do this in a step by step process. And while I cover it a lot, I'll cover it in just a few minutes also, just quickly. But I go in depth on that in quite a few episodes. So if that's something you want to know more about, again, you can go back to the episodes or again, a lot of the classes on the website cover this as well. Tantrums, helping our child with anger, your developing toddler, your developing preschooler. And All of those classes, there's a lot of information on the website about helping kids work through those in a more positive way. The discipline classes, discipline tools for toddlers also. The message our kids need from us, this is number three. My point number three is the message our kids need from us is that I love you no matter what. When children feel safe, when they feel loved, cared for, even when they're at their worst, they often don't need to react as big because they aren't fighting for validation. When they don't feel heard, when they don't feel loved, understood, they often get bigger and louder in the reactions. They go deeper into their limbic brain, their mammalian brain, because they aren't feeling validated and it just kicks it up even more. So they get angrier, they go bigger, they try to get a response. Even if it's met with anger, at least they feel like they're getting something to match their feeling. They're getting acknowledged. But If our children know that we love them no matter what, that level of validation is very healing. So the need to go as big is absolved. It can help temper that and dissolve some of the big emotions. I do cover this a lot in classes on the website and episodes of the podcast. So you can go back and look for um, dealing with aggression on the episodes on aggression. I very likely go into the steps on helping a child learn to um, work on a better behavior. In this episode, I really want to talk about the emotions when we have children who are reacting super big or children who aren't reacting and just seem to want to hide from their emotions to deny the emotions and what you can do about that, different things that you can go about doing that to help children connect with their emotions, express their emotions. And then we'll talk about that shortening, the refractory period, shortening that reaction time to an emotion as kids get older, and as we, as things that we as adults can also do to shorten that reaction period. So I'm gonna cover a particular temperament trait that can affect how well children of any age, and adults as well, process our emotions. Some children, adults are naturally more in tune while others are less in tune with their feelings. Now this trait is called feelings aware. Feelings aware is the level of awareness of feelings, both of our own feelings and of others, being able to read others' feelings and connect with those. Those who are highly feelings aware can be very caring and sympathetic. They can often use words to tell how they feel. They tend to act on feelings rather than thinking things through, and they may easily get their feelings hurt. A child who's less feelings aware may act angry instead of sad or hurt because anger is actually hurt turned outward. Your child may not realize that she's upset at someone or why. Your child may often be more interested in facts than he is on the way people feel. So as I've shared about temperament before, we each have a natural or inborn place on the spectrum of each of these traits. So in this case, feelings aware. We naturally fall somewhere at the high end, the low end, or somewhere in the middle. However, we can work with our children to help them understand themselves better and widen their abilities, particularly if they fall on one end or the other of this. If they're highly feelings aware or less feelings aware, we wanna try to help move them a little closer to the middle to gain a bigger understanding of who they are and how to connect with their feelings in um, a more positive way or in a more healthy way. Um, The other important thing to note is that where we fall, on each of these traits as compared to our children. So if you fall on one end of this trait, say you're less feelings aware and your child is highly feelings aware, this can feel overwhelming. When you are someone who doesn't connect with your feelings as much and you're just kind of like, it's fine and you are able to push past it and you just not something that you really connect with or really feel like you need to, and you have a child who is very expressive and emotional about a lot of stuff, melting down over everything, falling apart. It's a challenge to learn to accept this, to stay calm and to learn how to help your child with these big emotions because it's just not something you're comfortable with or that you've really um, needed to do in the past or have learned how to do. The same goes if it's the other way around. If you're deeply in tune with your feelings and your child seems to gloss over them or doesn't wanna to talk to them about it or hides from them or is expressing emotions that seem to be out of balance with what's happening, like if they're acting angry instead of sad, This might be a struggle for you to help them connect with those emotions because to you it comes very easily and you're not sure why they're not doing that more uh, more easily. You may feel like your child is not developmentally on track in some way or another. So I wanna cover some things that you can do for your child or children on each end of this spectrum, starting with children who are less feelings aware, how you can help them connect better with their feelings. And I'll do that right after a word from our sponsor. Also, a reminder that I am now putting the episodes up without ads on the exclusive content. So if you prefer to listen without ads, go to yourvillageonline.com slash podcast, or you can go to parentingbeyonddiscipline.com. They lead to the same page. You can join the exclusive feed for $5 a month or $40 a year. These later years of childhood have been flying by. As a mom, I want to not just be available to my kids during these last years they have at home, but I wanna feel good and have the energy I need to keep up with their schedule and my own. So my health is a top priority. Equilibria is a woman-owned wellness brand with unique science-backed products that help bring your mind and body back into harmony. You're not alone on your wellness journey. Every customer gets one-on-one support to help you meet your goals. EQ's Daily Women's Microbiome Defense is a three-in-one capsule that supports your digestive health and promotes gut barrier protection. A healthy gut positively impacts immunity, mental health, sleep, digestion, and skin health. It helps regulate digestion, immunity against bad bacteria, and improve nutrient absorption. The gut has been called the second brain because it contains more than 100 million nerve cells. It is a vitally important piece to our overall health, both physical and mental. So to make sure my gut is working at its potential, I started taking EQ's Daily Women's Microbiome Defense to improve my digestion and nutrition absorption, boost my overall immune health, and help with sleep and stress as a bonus. Head to myeq.com and use code PARENTING for 15% off Equilibria's Microbiome Defense and much more. That's myeq.com and use code PARENTING at checkout for 15% off site-wide today. Curious about Byheart? Redeem your welcome offer at byheart.com slash podcast with the code parenting for a limited time. Additional terms and conditions apply. Now that we're back after the break, I'm going to start with some things you can do if your child is less aware of feelings to help him or her learn to tune in more to feelings of his or her own as well as to others. First, you want to talk about and name feelings. Now, I know part of the questions I've gotten are about when kids don't want to talk about their feelings. They want to gloss over it. They want to ignore it. They want to hide from it. They want to deny it. So what you want to do is you want to do these during quiet times. This is for anyone, for any kids, helping them deal with, learn to connect with their emotions or discuss emotions. It's always much better, much easier to do it during quiet times anyway, during down times. Times when you're connecting, you're talking, you're snuggling, you're reading books. Bed times are great times. These kind of nice, quiet, connecting times. Not when they're upset but clearly not interested in sharing or they're so overwhelmed because of course if they're in their limbic brain and they're having a big reaction, they're not gonna be able to talk about emotions or learn about emotions anyway. As I've shared many times, you can label the emotion for them if you have a child who isn't going to get more angry and more upset. If your child is getting more angry and more upset when you say, "I sounds like you're really angry about X, Y, or Z, or it looks like you're really frustrated that your cookie broke and they just are pushing back against you harder, don't worry about labeling the emotions. If your child either just keeps reacting the way they're reacting, then it is something you can do because it will help it them connect the feeling with the emotion, um, as so long as it's not kicking it up another notch. Don't worry about doing that during, just let them work through their emotion, talk about it during a quiet time. So when kids are relaxed, and when it's not feeling like it's about them, or it's not personal, it's not And they're not feeling pressured to connect with their emotion or share their feelings they're much more open to this you want to read books about feelings and this is about other characters so it's about other people it's a learning time it's a quiet time their brains are calm they're in a different brain wave pattern they're more calm so they're able to absorb this much better you can discuss how characters in the books or if they watch a tv show and they watched it earlier that day, you can talk about how those characters may be feeling, the characters in the book or the characters on the TV show when a particular thing happened. How do you think Dave felt when Sally threw his ball and it went over the wall and he couldn't get it back? Um, You know, you can talk about those kinds of things. This takes the focus off of your child so they can be more open to discussions and learning and thinking about analyzing it. If you notice issues with friendships and your child is not understanding or connecting with a friend's feelings, here are some things you can do around that. When an argument occurs between your child and a friend, you can ask your child, how do you think your friend is feeling right now? You can guide your child in thinking about his friend's feelings and wishes when they make plans. So sometimes, you know, kids, especially that are less feelings aware, will want to take over and plan the whole play um, you know, what all the rules are, what's happening in the play, what the friend is going to, what role the friend is going to play, what role your child is going to play. So helping guide your child into thinking about that your friend might have some ideas to share and guiding in that way. If your child is in school, especially preschool, you can explain to the teacher that the emotions that your child shows may not necessarily mimic his true feelings. You can ask the teacher to discuss feelings and use feelings vocabulary For preschools, you can choose a preschool program that emphasizes caring about others and recognize that your child may act angry when he is really sad or feeling hurt. If your child is highly feelings aware, here are some things you can do for that. This is a child who is very emotional, who connects with their feelings, who may react bigger. You wanna be aware that your child may easily have his feelings hurt and coach your child through those situations. So here's an example scenario that I had when my oldest, Carter, he was five at the time. He was having a really hard time because his brother was playing with his sister and not with him. Now this was a compounded issue because he wanted his brother to play in a particular way where his his sister was allowing his brother to play the role that he desired. She was being more flexible. Now, regardless, Carter's feelings were hurt. He was feeling left out. So I sat down and I talked with him. And I asked him, are you feeling left out? And I helped him identify those feelings. We then discussed, once he kind of talked through those feelings, you gotta give him a chance to talk through it. Yes, I'm feeling left out. Here's why it's not fair. You know, they'll go through that whole gamut of emotions and you can connect with those. Then you can discuss, joining in on the play and ways to do that where he could compromise and allow the other two children to role play what they were interested in rather than having him take over. So this is just one example of many, many scenarios that you will likely come up against when you are working helping your children work through their emotions and their feelings. So this is good for any child but you want to teach lots of feeling words. There is a huge gamut of feelings vocabulary Children who are highly feelings aware can learn new and more complex feelings words much more early and more easily. So giving them words for the complex feelings like conflicted, humiliated, ecstatic, blissful, joyous, you get the idea. So more complex feeling words. And I will put up the feelings wheel on the Your Village Facebook page so that you can see a wide vocabulary for emotions. Now the center of the wheel starts with more simple emotions like happy, sad, mad, and they get more complex and nuanced as you move out from the center. You want to encourage your children to tell others how they are feeling. And you will kind of get an idea of what, of what level your child is ready to comprehend the more, um, the more nuanced and complicated feelings words. You can start kind of moving out from the center of the circle as they get towards four and five um, and see how they do and, and just um, keep adding to the vocabulary and explaining what those feelings are. You want to limit any media that are too sad, violent, or emotional. Now, I mentioned how Carter is highly feelings aware. This is another area where it shows through very strongly. He has always been sensitive to characters' emotions on the screen. So there were many things that we wouldn't let him watch for a very long time, like Bambi. Sometimes his younger siblings could actually be watching something that became too much for him, and he would leave the room, and I would invite him to help me in whatever I was doing at that time so that he wasn't being exposed to content that was just too emotionally overwhelming for him. You can also ask your child how he is feeling often. And again, use a lot of feeling words in your own vocabulary. So if you are feeling ecstatic or humiliated or joyful or blissful or any of those other big feeling words, use those and then your child will hear them. You can explain what those are or, you know, your situation that you're facing and it helps them to understand what those words mean and how to apply those. So these are just some of the many suggestions on working with children who are either highly feelings aware or low in the feelings awareness from the temperament class. So if you want the full list or you want to know more about working with both ends of the spectrum for all nine of the temperament traits, you can see that class on the website at yourvillageonline.com. So now I'm going to talk about helping older kids, eight, nine plus, tweens and teens, and even ourselves as adults. Now, as I mentioned, I was at a week-long meditative retreat in Denver. I don't know if I said I was at a meditative retreat, but that's where I was in Denver last week. I've never been good at meditating. I'm giving you a little background here, <laughs> a little bit of a, a little bit of a foundation. So, you know, turning off those intrusive thoughts or dealing with those annoying pings from my body, like your nose itches, itch it, just itch it, come on, it's getting stronger. As soon as you do, it'll stop. So, You know, the problem is as soon as you give in to that itch and I would itch my nose, the next thing itches my head, itches my feet, itches my feet are cold, my butt's going numb. So I figured the only way to overcome this was to immerse myself in a week-long experience, and boy, did I ever. They were 12 to 14-hour days, most days starting at 6 a.m. for the first four days, 4 a.m. on the fifth day, and 5 a.m. on the last two days, and they went to 7 or 8 o'clock at night most of those days, so it was intense, but it was really helpful to be in the immersive experience. Anyway, one of the things that the mentor who runs these retreats, he does these all over, his name's Dr. Joe, He what he talked about was staying conscious of our emotional reactions, of our subconscious programming. So as soon as we can stay conscious of that, then we can start to break that down. He shared that we all have experiences every day that make us come up against ourselves and our automatic reactions. And he said he does it too, that he is not always perfect, that he has his own reactions to things. But once we become aware of them is when we can work to change them. So I promised myself when I got home that I would make sure I didn't fall back into my old habits, into my old self, that I wouldn't go back to my subconscious programming of reacting to situations, but instead would work diligently to overcome these and react and behave differently from a conscious place. Because of course, it's far easier to stay calm and in control during the retreat For the most part, I didn't have to deal with the day-to-day annoyances. I wasn't driving anywhere. I was staying in the hotel. My entire days were spent going from my room to the ballroom, to the dining area to eat food that was already prepared for us. I didn't have to cook. I didn't have to do anything. All I had to do was show up as my best self and follow the instructions through the meditations, listen to the lectures, and take it all in. But I knew when I got home, it would take more focus to stay intentional where there's traffic and meals to cook and dishes to clean and kids getting annoyed with each other when one of them is getting too silly because we have this, our oldest loves to get silly and it's cute and it's great and he's happy, happy, happy kid, but he doesn't know when to stop. So the other two are getting annoyed with him. Anyway, I promised myself when I got home, I would become aware of my reactions to life's frustrations so that I can shorten what Dr. Joe calls the refractory period that is the amount of time we stay in that negative emotion before we break out of it so the first morning I'm home I'm bound to determine to stay up on my meditation and I decide I'm going to the beach to do one of the walking meditations I do better when I'm moving and so as I'm setting settling in back home I thought it would be best to go to my magical place known as the beach to do a walking meditation there. I thought it would be best because first of all, you can stare out at the ocean or you can lay down on the sand and nobody's going to think you're a weirdo. If I do it around my neighborhood and I'm laying on my neighbor's lawn, they're going to be like, what is wrong with her? She's laying in my lawn or on the sidewalk. So I went to the beach to do that. Well, I can't find my car key. I quickly become frustrated. I go right into frustration. I slept in later than I wanted. I have to be back in time to get Chandler ready for skateboarding camp and get him over there and I can't find the dang key and I start to get worked up. I go right to that pre-programmed emotion, unconscious emotion, but I catch myself. I remind myself that I'm going back to my old self that I need to pull back. I'm going back to my reactionary self. I'm getting upset and it isn't going to help me find the key any sooner. And as a matter of fact, it will probably only make it worse because I'm focused on not finding the key and on being frustrated and angry. So I quickly pull myself back and within seconds, I find the key and off I go to do my meditation. Now, we're still going to react. I'm still going to react. Dr. Joe still reacts. The point is to recognize I'm reacting right now and I need to get myself back in control as quickly as possible. And what do I need to do to do that? So this piece of emotional intelligence of shortening a refractory period or the time we spend in this reactionary state or negative state or emotion that is not healthy for us pulling ourselves back. It's not just something we can focus on as adults. It's something we can also work with our older kids on. Once they hit about the age of 9, 8, 9, 10, they should be relatively emotionally competent, like I talked about earlier. So emotional competence is that ability to share emotions at a moderate level with the right people, the right place, the right time if we're angry with a friend, we don't come home and yell at mom or dad, or we don't come home and yell at brother or sister. If we're angry with the teacher, um, we address it with the teacher in a very appropriate way. We don't leave the classroom and get upset with a friend or come home and get upset with our family. So that's the emotional competence. Now we're with the emotional intelligence, we're going to we're going to learn to be more mindful and conscious of our own reactions and frustrations, the negative emotions, when they come up, how to recognize them sooner in order to step in and stop them and shorten our reaction time. So this is a huge gift to them because here I am, you know, 50 years old and I am not that I'm a huge reactor, but even so, I still react and I don't like it. And it's over stupid stuff. Like I can't find my key. Like there's just no reason to get upset about not being able to find a key. It's not helpful. Right. And it doesn't help my kids when I react to them. They're not learning good emotion skills when I react. So, or when they see me react to other things or get upset in traffic or whatever it is, it's not helpful to them. So I want to do this for myself and for them. I want to help them to get back to a place of being in charge of who they are, the life they create, because they are learning to be mindful, conscious creators of their own Feelings, the way they go through the world, rather than reactors. I want my children to be conscious creators. I don't want them to be reactors of their environment. So I do this with my kids by pointing out their reactions when I see them. Again, this is a process, and I'm happy to say I've been working with my now 12-year-old for some time on taking responsibility for his reactions. And up until today, he's actually really struggled with this, with taking responsibility. He very reluctantly will at times take responsibility, but it doesn't feel very heart-centered. It doesn't feel like it's very genuine. It's almost because I'm trying to teach it to him and he just sort of is like, fine. But today we had this interaction where he had a big reaction. I sat him down. I talked to him. He was really upset over a game. So once again, he's like, it's not my fault. And I said, so whose fault is it? Is it mine? No, he said. And then he said, it's mine. And this is the first time he's really like internalized this taking responsibility for his own reaction and really owning it. And that was huge, a huge moment. It's so interesting that it happened today, right as I'm doing this podcast, but it was a really defining and amazing moment. And um, to finally see that this is coming to fruition (laughs) So also, as we know, a big piece to this is our own ability to take responsibility for our own reactions to things as well. Like I said, I'm really working on. We won't always be perfect. We will react, sometimes bigger than we would like or that we're proud of, but we also want to own it and show them by example, pulling ourselves back, like I said, stopping as soon as we can, pulling ourselves back. If we feel like we've gone overboard, talking to our children about that, Something like, I didn't handle that very well. I reacted way bigger than I needed to, or I should have. That was not a good example to you, and I'm sorry. I will do better. So this is one of those really important lessons that we can give them. How to take responsibility and how to give a proper apology. If you want to learn more or go deeper on this topic, I have a lot of great classes your child's unique temperament, helping your child with anger, tantrums, you're developing toddler, you're developing preschooler, teaching a growth mindset, mindfulness for kids, raising responsible kids, teaches life skills, but also teaches how to guide kids to make good choices as they age, creating a great connection and taking responsibility and teaching responsibility for feelings and emotions. All of the 60 plus parenting classes are available on the website at yourvillageonline.com. If you have a parenting question you'd like answered, send an email to podcast at yourvillageonline.com. Thanks for listening, and see you next week.
0: You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator